Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. So Abraham is there, he's obeyed God, he's gone to this new place, and maybe he's thinking, God, you led me here, and now there's a famine? What? He's like, God, wait a minute, maybe you forgot something, because I obeyed, I came here, but now we're going to die here? What's going on, God? And so he's asking these questions, these things are probably going on in his mind, and verse 10 tells us the famine is severe. So what does he, what's he do? Abraham says, I'm going to go to Egypt. He goes down to Egypt. At this point, Abraham is actually, I believe, still trusting God. Because if he was saying, oh, God, you've brought me here and there's famine. I can't handle it. i got to get out of here. i got to leave. I don't think that's what Abraham is doing. If that's what he wanted to do, he would have just turned around and gone back to Haran, where he came from. He would have gone home. Scripture points out and says there was a, sam- a, f- a salmon. I don't think there, there was no salmon because there was a famine. Put that in your notes. I don't even know if they have salmon in Canaan. I don't know. Uh, see, I got myself off track. Uh, So, scripture points out that the famine is severe. And it points out that it says he goes to sojourn there, which means it's temporary. So I believe that Abraham is still trusting God. And he goes to Egypt the opposite direction. If you see it on a map, Egypt is here, Haran is up here. And so he's going down to Egypt temporarily because they need food. They need to survive. So he goes in search of food. So what we see, that's kind of the setting here in verse 10. In verses 11 through 16, we get kind of the the bulk of this story. As they're traveling to Egypt, I can imagine Abraham sitting there. I don't know if he's walking, if he's riding something, sitting. I don't know what he's doing, but he's thinking this over. And he starts to get worried that the Egyptians are going to take his wife from him. Okay, it would have been common practice for Egyptians to be like, we like her. She's ours now. She belongs to Pharaoh now. Okay, so he gets fearful. He realizes he's stepping into a dangerous situation. This is when Abraham comes up with a plan, a plan that involves a lie. So he says, okay, he tells Sarah, probably tells other people, like his whole household, everyone with him had to be in on this, they had to know what was going on. He says, listen, if they know that Sarah is my wife, she's very beautiful, they're going to like her, if they know she's my wife, they're going to kill me and just take her because they don't have a problem killing people, they do have a problem with adultery, okay, they had, this, this is their standards, right? They didn't have a problem killing, but okay. So, but Abraham says, oh, this is not going to be good. If I, they're going to kill me and they're going to take her. What are we going to do? Okay, let's lie. We're going to tell everybody that Sarah is my sister. Now, here is what's interesting. This lie was partially true. Sarah was his sister. Now, pause, stick with me, right? Genesis chapter 20, verse 12, tells us that Sarah was the daughter of Abraham's father, though not the daughter of Abraham's mother. So, half-sister. Now, we're like, this is still really weird, right? What's going on? Now, there's a side note, and I think this is an important thing to understand in Scripture. Um, In Genesis, Old Testament, important thing to note. There are things in Scripture that are descriptive. They are describing something that happened. They're describing something that happened in a broken world. Remember, this is the context of sin has entered the world. It is broken. It is imperfect. Scripture is simply describing what happened. Then there are things that are prescriptive. 
that are prescribing something, right? If you go to the doctor, you get sick, they prescribe medication. They say, you should take this, you should do this, right? I do not believe that this is prescribing that you marry your half-sister, okay? So don't, don't worry about that. But it's just describing what's going on. It's an important thing for us to see in Scripture. There are things that are descriptive, and there are things that are prescriptive, telling us what to do. So that's a side note, because there's some strange things going on in this Scripture, right? So here's the point, though. The lie that Abraham told was partially true. The lie was actually quite logical. It made sense on a human level. Because we see in verses 14 through 16, everything played out exactly as Abraham thought it was going to play out. He's, this is exactly what happened. They go in. He says, yes, this is my sister. Pharaoh's, I don't know, his crew, they're like, hey, you should have her. They take her to Pharaoh. They don't kill Abraham because doesn't matter, right? He's just a brother, right? So everything happened as Abraham said. So he wasn't foolish in thinking this would happen. But this lie was based out of fear. To lie, this might, this might be really simple stuff, but we're going to walk through it together. To lie is to not tell the truth or to tell part of the truth or to withhold an important aspect of the truth. Maybe it's sometimes... We can kind of look at our lives in the world and we can think, well, lying, that's pretty minor, right? There's worse things, right? Lying's pretty minor. I mean, surely there's worse ways to sin. But lying is serious. Because when we lie, it breaks trust. Whether with others in our life or, or even... You know, we can, we'll talk about this in a moment, we can, we can attempt to lie to God, like we can attempt to deceive God. But lying is serious because it breaks trust. And when we lie to others, we do so because of fear of what the truth will bring. And here in Abraham's case, his fear of what he might face in Egypt led him to choose to lie instead of trusting that God was in control. I read a commentary this week that said Abraham's lie showed a reliance on worldly wisdom more than a trust in the promise. And he not only sinned himself, but he involved Sarah and his entire household in this sin. If Abraham had trusted what God had said, he would not have been afraid. Because what did God tell Abraham? Go to the land I'll show you. I will bless you. Through you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. I will make you into a great nation. If, if Abraham would have said, God, I don't know how. I don't see it right now. I can't, it's, it seems dangerous to me, but I know what you've told me, and I know that you can take care of me, and I trust you. If Abraham had been in that position, he would not have felt the need to go and lie and protect himself because he would have said, God, I, I'm trusting you. I'm believing the promise that you have told me. So Abraham lied out of fear based on his situation because fear causes us to make decisions based on our situation rather than on what God has said. This, chapter, this, this passage closes out in verses 17 through 20. In verse 17, what happens? Basically, God steps in and corrects things and takes care of it. Abraham is found out in his lie. God, it tells us that God... The Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So God sends plagues and Pharaoh says, what is going on here? And he calls Abraham. He's like, why did you lie to me? 
I am suffering because you lied to me about this. What is going on? But, but, but I think he says, Abraham, he says, get him out of here. Leave. Take your people. Go. Be on your way. Go. Don't come back, right? Don't let the door hit you, right? Um, and so, but here's what I want us to see, what I think is going on in this section. When we step back, what we see is that God steps in to rescue Abraham. This part shows us that God is going to be faithful to fulfill his promise. Because Pharaoh, to me, it would have made more sense that if Pharaoh finds out what's going on, he's like, well, now I'm going to kill you, Abraham, because you lied to me and now, you know, you're dead and your wife is mine and goodbye, right? That would make more sense. But God steps in and rescue and Pharaoh says, please just leave and go. Why? Because God is going to be faithful to what he promised to Abraham. God is going to accomplish his goal. He is working his plan of redemption that through Abraham, eventually Jesus will come. And that through Jesus, all nations can be blessed. So God steps in and rescues Abraham out of this situation. So what do we learn from this passage? We're going to look at two things. Basically, our main point, and then we're going to kind of reverse our main point. So first thing, fear causes us to make decisions based on our situation rather than on what God has said. Abraham's lie revealed a lack of trust in God. The lie was wrong, but that was just a symptom of the deeper problem. Because God had promised him that he would become a great nation. And we look and we say, could God not have protected him in Egypt? God, God was capable. God was able of protecting him in Egypt. But Abraham decided that God had maybe forgotten this detail. And Abraham proceeded with human wisdom. The lie was a symptom of a deeper issue that Abraham was not trusting God. And you and I often do the same thing. We know what God has promised. We can look and see what God has said in his word. We can look and see the things that God has called us to obey, the promises that God has given us in his word. But we get fearful that maybe God is forgetting something. Maybe God is forgetting us. And so the temptation is that we will make decisions and choices that attempt to undercut God's sovereignty and strength. And we say, I'm just going to help God out a little bit. I think God forgot this. I'll take care of it. This is what Abraham's doing here. Another commentary said, one of the great weaknesses of Abraham is in believing that now and then the almighty God is in need of a helping hand. Think about that in our own lives. We're very, very impatient. And when we don't see something happening the way we think it's going to happen, we panic and we make decisions out of fear and we say, I'm going to help God because I, I don't see what's going to happen right now. I promise, my, my promise, I don't know, my encouragement to you is think about these things because you're going to start to see them in, in patterns and decisions in your life. So what does it look like? Okay, living by fear. What does it look like then to live by fear? I think it means that we look for human solutions to the issues that we face when God is ready, willing, and able to walk with us and guide us through the situations of life. And I truly believe this is not just a theory. This is not a theoretical thing. Here's some examples. Think about relationships. Maybe friendships, maybe dating, romantic. I don't know. Think about relationships. 
we easily will make a bad relationship decision because we get tired of waiting and trusting that God knows what he's doing in our life. And so we say, well, I, I need someone in my life. Um, I'm just going to let this person in. It seems good to me. And yet, instead, we should wait and trust that God knows what he's doing. Or think about work or careers. We can make career decisions, bad career decisions, because we panic that God's not going to provide. We can numb ourselves with entertainment because we fear that Jesus isn't enough to satisfy our souls. We can turn to escape mechanisms, like food, drugs, alcohol, pornography, shopping, because we don't trust that Jesus is our one true and deep satisfaction. These are all fear-based decisions. And so we choose fear rather than faith, fear that Jesus isn't enough, fear that he's not going to keep his word And in Abraham's situation here and in ours, more specifically, fear can often lead to lies. Like, we can do the same thing as Abraham. We fear, oh, if I tell the truth, it's going to go badly for me right now. Or if we say, I'm going to lie so that other people will think better of me. Both of these things are fear-based, fearing that we won't be accepted as we are or that God is not going to be able to take care of us. Sometimes we do this with God, too. We attempt to lie about our sin. We're not honest with God or others about our sin. Why? Because of fear. But the gospel, the message of Jesus, opens the way for us to live without fear, even regarding our sin. Because human nature is, when we sin, we hide. And yet the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus is, when you sin, don't hide, run to me, and I will make you whole. Of course, there's consequences for our bad decisions, but our soul, our heart is made right with God, and we are made whole. The gospel opens the way to live without fear, even regarding our sin. And maybe we feel vulnerable, or like we need to protect ourselves, but honesty opens the door to healing. So just like Abraham, we can look at the situations that we face and we can react out of fear rather than remembering the promises and faithfulness of God. So fear causes us to make decisions based on our situation rather than on what God has said. So let's reverse that. Faith causes us to make decisions based on what God has said rather than on our situation. This is our second point. By God's grace and his faithfulness, you and I can walk in faith. We can't see When we can't see every outcome, when we can't see the end result, we can trust that God is faithful, that he is enough regardless of how things turn out in front of us. So what does it look like to live by faith? Well, I mean, it's the opposite of living by fear, right? (laughs) That when we begin to fear, will I ever be in a relationship? Will I ever find the right friends? Instead of letting this lead us into wrong relationships, we live by faith, patiently trusting that God is in control, that he knows what we need, when we need it, and ultimately that he is the source of our joy. He is the source of our fulfillment, of our contentment. You see, Church, we can get to a place where we say, I need that relationship. I need that friend. I need this or that. 
But we can come to a point where we say, God, I trust you. And if I never have it, Jesus is enough. And then when God does give us those people, those things, we say, wow, that's amazing. God, thank you. But if I don't have it, Jesus, you're enough. And that's hard. But it's true and it's real and it's deep and we can depend and build our lives on Jesus. He knows what we need. So in the times when we don't know how God is going to provide for us, how do we live by faith? We live by faith by saying, God, you know what I need and you're going to have to provide. (laughs) I have problems. God, I'm giving them to you. They're your problems now. You're going to have to take care of these and provide. Rather than, and so we live by faith rather than cutting corners, rather than saying, oh, I just got to figure out how to make a bunch of money real quick. Uh, I got to figure out how to do this. I need to be stingy because I, I don't have enough. No, we say, God, you see, you know my needs. And so God, I'm going to live by faith and trust you. And on and on. You begin to think about situations and decisions in your life. You can see, I've always got a choice to live in fear or to choose faith in who God is. So the strength of faith is not in faith itself, right? So you don't say, okay, I just need to work really hard and kind of like, like clench my fists and be really, like have a lot of faith. Well, no, because it's not in how great our faith is. Faith actually, the scripture actually describes faith as being like God honoring very small faith, right? That when we get to the point, the nature of faith is to say, I, I can't, I, I, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, but God, I know you can. Right? That's the nature of faith. It's not working ourselves up into this like strong faith because the strength of faith is the fact that God is faithful. God is the object of our faith. We find our strength to have faith because of God's faithfulness. Faith does not equal foolishness. Okay, so don't hear me saying this morning, you know, I, uh, I cut my hand off, but I have faith that God's going to take care of me. No, go to the doctor. Go to the hospital, go to the emergency room because you're going to die, right? So faith is not foolishness. Faith is saying, God, I need to make decisions knowing that you're in control, that I can trust you. Our faith is based on what God has said and his faithfulness. So faith causes us to make decisions based on what God has said rather than on our situation. And as we close this morning, as as we reflect on this passage What did Abraham do? Abraham operated out of fear. So many times, so do we. You can probably think about times when you made decisions based out of fear. I'll give you just a second to think about it. (laughs) But in that church, God's grace is so deep. He reaches down to rescue us out of our sin, out of our failure. God was so gracious to rescue Abraham when on a human level, He screwed it up. He didn't deserve it, but God rescued him. This is the truth of the gospel, that we are broken and sinful people, and we cannot save ourselves. What did God do? That God, in his mercy, sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. Jesus chose a life of faith every step of the way. Every time he was faced to say, you can live out of fear or out of faith, he chose faith, and Jesus lived that sinless life that we're unable to live. He was able, therefore, to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, and the cross is the judgment of God that you and I deserve because of our sin. 
Instead of it being put on us, it was put on Jesus on the cross. He took our sin. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, and he lives and reigns today, and he is coming again. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus and says, I can't save myself, that's the ultimate faith or fear decision, right? Because to live in fear is to say, I I can't trust God. I don't know who this God is. I'm not going to trust him. I'm going to take care of myself. But faith says, God, I put my faith in you. I trust you. I will follow you. My life belongs to you. And anyone who turns and puts their faith in Jesus is rescued out of their sin. They are forgiven. Their sin is cleansed. They are made new. The scripture says we are a new creation. It's not by how much we work or how hard we work. It is through faith alone, through Christ alone, through his grace in our lives. And the gospel is the fulfillment of the promise of God to Abraham. The truth of who Jesus is is the fulfillment of, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And through you, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. That is fulfilled in Jesus. Because through Jesus, every tongue, tribe, and nation can come to Jesus and find grace and forgiveness and be rescued out of their sin. When we can live in faith based off of this promise that God is a redeeming God and one day Jesus will return making all things new and through this promise we can live in faith instead of fear. And I'll say this is an encouragement. Maybe you feel faithless this morning. Maybe it feels like I just... I'm trying, but I don't have faith. I would encourage you to say, that's okay. And God, I'm having trouble. God, help me. Because that very act of saying, God, help me, is the faith to turn to God and say, okay, I recognize that I can't do it on my own. And when we feel faithless, God is still faithful. Because the gospel gives us courage that we no longer have to live in fear, we can entrust our lives to God, standing firm on what we believe, trusting, that, trusting God that we belong to him and that all we need is found in him. So if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, the message to you this morning is there is a way to find hope in life. There is a way to choose faith rather than living a life of fear. And what it looks like is saying, okay, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I believe that you are the son of God, that you've given your life on my behalf. I'm gonna entrust my life to you. He is welcoming you to himself, that your sin can be forgiven, your guilt and shame can be removed. And the the welcome is this. Hey, turn away from your sin and put your faith in me. Repent of your sin and believe in Jesus because there is life that is found when we put our faith in Jesus. This morning, if you are a Christian, you've been following Jesus for a long time or a short time, here's what I want to encourage you with, that when your faith feels weak, God is still faithful. He carries us. Every single day we can say, God, I entrust my life to you. Help me live by faith today rather than living out of fear. Fear causes us to make decisions based on our situation rather than what God has said, but Faith causes us to make decisions based on what God has said rather than our situation. This is good news for us. And God is our strength when we just say, okay, I can't, but you can. 
Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.